Hey y'all, it's Brittany. Hey, my name is Brandon. Hey, it's Daisha. And, and this, this is Chasing, Chasing Sunsets Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's episode two. Uno, dos. Yes, 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 yes. How are we feeling today? Blessed and highly favored. Amen. How are you feeling? Feeling good, feeling great. Better, better. I'm feeling good. It's fantastic. I'm glad to have a Sunday off. Hold on, Sunday. I'm glad to have a day off. I didn't get to rest, but I mean, you know, it's good to not have to do anything except this. So, doing amazing. (laughs) Doing amazing. Okay. We love that. Okay. All right, well, let's just get into it. So, uh, for any first-time listeners, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you chasing the sunset with us. So, um, for anybody who's first time, this might be joining us. Just a quick rundown. We usually start with intro, brief little warm-up, then we get into it. Uh, we might do a recap of the last episode, or we're going to introduce something new called today's church announcements. From there, each of us is going to do our own individual segments, and we'll get into our daily topic. Yeah, so we can get started on a recap. We dropped our first episode. Yay! So, a few numbers. We, our podcast was, (laughs) sorry, our podcast was listened to on 73 devices in episode one was listened to on 59 devices okay. so so got good numbers with the first one <laughs> that's so much more than i was expecting so mm-hmm. i'm happy me too, wow. me too 59 people heard my voice i'm sorry and probably wondering, what is this girl thinking <laughs> what, what probably this girl about? don't know her love language <laughs> oh my gosh so no 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 so i found out my love language okay, okay. you took did you take I the test the i test. sent you yes i took the test it was quality time that's quality mine time. no it's not yes it is i promise you oh my gosh i love quality time. yeah it's quality time and then it was like I don't know. I can't remember the rest. Brittany said, who knows their love language? People Whatever. don't know that. <laughs> my my mom texted me um, and said, I know my love language. <laughs> what is her love language? I have no idea. You should have asked. I'd love to know. I don't really care now. Mm-hmm. Why not? I don't know. It's probably... It's not Brittany's love language. She don't care. No. It could be like uh, no. receiving I, gifts. Yeah. Quality time. Mm-hmm. What are some other ones? What's yours? I know my love language. Yeah, worry about you. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm a quality time and words of affirmation. Yes, I'm looking for my screenshot. It was quality time, mm-hmm. words of affirmation, and then I think like the last two were um, the last two were physical touch and receiving gifts. I don't. Okay. So let me see if I can find mine. I don't care for that. I had quality time. Next one was acts of service, words of affirmation, physical touch, and receiving gifts. Next week, I'll take the test again so y'all can know my five. Mm-hmm. Uh, y'all just have so much to say about me not knowing my love Everyone language, did. but Brandon don't know his love language. I don't know the five, girl. I know my number one. <laughs> Whatever. It's called a love language, not love languages. <laughs> Whatever. 
What are some uh, feedback y'all got from episode one? Uh, we're funny. So somebody said Brandon has his uh, African American studies book out. They <laughs> said so he had his notes out, honey. Notes okay. Out. Somebody actually yesterday was like, "Wait, you the redhead girl from the podcast?" I was like, "Yes." That one girl. <laughs> that, that one girl. Yes. That one girl. What else feedback we got? It was relatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love the energy of yeah. you, um, the listeners said, and we love them. Yes. yes, I'm just so appreciative. Cause I know we got good feedback, like yeah, stuff that we can work on, stuff that we did well. I mean, it was a good mix of all types. So, thank you. Go. We appreciate it. Yeah, love that for us. Love that for mm-hmm. y'all. So, in the few upcoming months. We're going to be starting our community service project. Yay. Yes. Service so, and advocacy. Yeah, so we're going to we be doing it. a canned food drive. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be doing a canned food drive for the month of January. We'll have locations for drop-offs coming soon. And, yeah, y'all got anything to say about that? Yes, please bring your cans. They're like 20 cents at Walmart. Or, you know, you have those old cans. You send in the cabinet. Not old, mm-hmm. expired, but... You know, when that piece that you're not going to eat, we would love to take it. Mm-hmm. And we're going to donate it. Also, if you would like to uh, make monetary donations, we will buy the cans on your behalf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got it. We're going to start um, having special guests. Local guests. Mm-hmm. Love that. So we're about to open up the podcast for guests coming soon. Coming soon to a podcast near you. Also known as this one. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's it for church announcements. That's all I got. That's all I got. Thank you for listening to the church announcements. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the church announcements. At the Potter's House. Today's (laughs) church announcements. (laughs) Bishop T.D. J. Okay. All righty. Segment time. Right. Miss Morning Commute. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to stay up late. Good morning. Good morning to you. Ooh, okay. So for morning commute, I have an artist named Emma V. And the song I'm gonna be playing is called Can't Get Over You. And that's from her full length album that she her first full-length album that she recently dropped called honeymoon so emma v is a singer songwriter producer from london and i love this song so much it's my favorite song off the album so i'm gonna play that real fast That is Emma B. What do y'all think? I like it. You like it? I like it. I definitely just edited it. 
So, and of course, I got a playlist. Daisha's Morning Commute Volume 2. Second mm, playlist. Um, 10 songs. I got three songs on there by Emma V. Three of my favorite songs by her. I got Elle Varner, Lion Babe, Kirby, Her, Sir, and Steve Lacey. So that's 10 songs on there that y'all can listen to for this week. I like it. What are y'all listening to? I'm stuck on... Hallelujah by Pentatonix because the song is just so beautiful. And I miss Christmas. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. That's one song I can listen to every day right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nothing really new, honestly. I'm kind of somebody who harps on old projects. So me and Childish Major still rocking it out to Dirt Road Diamond. Mm -hmm. And me and Janae have been going back and forth between Waiting, Eternal Sunshine. All that, you know, sold out. We've been sailing. So yeah, we just chilling over here. So, so a listener also sent in some music that they're listening to by an artist named Kyle Lux off an album called No Roof Access. And I listened to it, and I really like the first song, Precedent. So I'm going to play that real fast. And it was the worst stage in the worst way. At the world looking on, it was just me. Like a birthday when they all sing. Yes, any listeners, feel free to send me some music that you're listening to. We had some responses on our on our Instagram story of music they're listening to. So continue to do that. I love listening to what whatever y'all are listening to. And that is it for Daisha's morning commute. Storm Advisory, what's your weather report? All right, so, you know, DJ Storm Advisor on the ones and twos, the P's and Q's, holding it down for the boys and girls across the world. So, today, <laughs> today um, we're going to talk about fatherhood or the like thereof, specifically absentee fathers. Um, this mainly is derived from the black community. However, it could apply to any race or anybody that's going through this. So, yeah, let's just get into it. Uh, honestly, the effects of absentee fatherhood are quite detrimental, and to a certain extent, you don't realize the magnitude of it until you become a certain age. Um, for me, it was like 1920, but I know like as a child, I was just like, I didn't really have my dad, you know. Other kids got theirs, but I just got my mom and my grandma and my aunt. And you know, they did what they had to do. They showed out. They raised no. a great young man, if I do say so myself. But once I got around to, like, college age or really the end of high school for sure, I started realizing how different life could have been if I had my father in my life or I can see the positive impact people have had from having both parents in their life or even if they're not married together, like a co-parenting type of lifestyle. So definitely think we talk about it enough in the black community, but... Sometimes men forget what they're doing to their child, to their offspring. Um, you're really leaving a whole part of you behind and not really realizing how much it can impact them. And whether it's a phone call every month or like a visit every six months, something is something, you know, it's better than, dang, I ain't talked to my dad in like three years or 
I can count how many times I see my dad on both my hands. Something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, what do you think? Like, what's my question? Like, how do you think, as a male, that things could have been different? Like, do you think you personally could have been different if you had your father? If that makes sense. Like, you know, they say uh, a child, a boy needs his father or like a woman can't really raise a son like give her certain give them certain like qualities I guess I guess that's what I'm trying to say yeah so you think like you lack certain things because you didn't have your father um you know how we always talk about like be perfect the way you are and all all this all that so I don't think I'd be any different or um, I guess to answer that I don't really believe that like a woman can't teach her son certain mm-hmm. things but like to a certain extent yeah like my mom can't teach me how to go through puberty like right. we ain't experienced like, the same type of puberty like obviously. shave or yeah. stuff like that so like yeah probably that phrase um, a woman like a woman can't raise a man or raise her son that probably speaks more to the biological factors associated mm-hmm. with growing up. But mentally, I don't really think that's true. Like, anybody can show you the way, but it's up to you to, like, figure out your own morals and values and what you believe in. So, parenting, like, only goes so far because your parent can teach you certain things. But, like, let's be honest. The rules y'all moms and daddies gave y'all when y'all was younger. Do y'all still follow all those today? No. no. Like, you just don't. So, you can lead the horse to water, but you can't make it drink. So, I think that's the question. Yeah. I think you're a good example of, you know, some people use a fatherless home as an excuse, like, to hold them back. But you just have to use it to, you know, like, keep going forward. I know certain people who use that as, like, a crutch. Like, this is why I'm getting in trouble. This is why I can't go far in life. And, yeah, that might be, a like, a bump in the road, but... I still think you can still make it because there's examples of people who made it. Right. You said um, earlier that you feel like your life would have been different if your father was in your in your life. What ways do you think it'll be different? So, most people who know me or uh, people who like really know me know that I'm a very much outspoken individual. Whether that's uh, me being like happy, jovial, or, oh, whether that's, <laughs> or whether that's like me speaking my mind, like, girl, don't do that, that's dumb, or just regardless. Um, knowing my father personally, this is my specific example, knowing my father personally, I don't think I'd have as much personality, or nor do I think I have this open mindset that I do. But um, I do, I can't say, like, we share similar traits, even though he didn't really raise me or wasn't around to see me grow up. Like, I can see parallels between us. But the major ways I think I'd be different would probably just be, like, I have somebody to help me go through puberty, um, somebody who can understand or go through, or somebody who's gone through what I'm going through. So just that relatability piece, that's probably big thing. Like like I said earlier, those biological factors involved. But I don't really think I'd be too much of a different man today. And I'm very appreciative for the way I was brought up. That's good. That was good. I love it. Thank you. 
But all this isn't to say that we're not going to just act like the father is in the right for leaving or not trying to maintain contact with your kids or just act like your kids don't exist. Because the moment that sperm cell hit the egg cell... You a daddy. You knew that there was some type of possibility that you could bring a child into this world. Now, if you ain't take plan B or take alternative <laughs> measure to have that handled, that's between you and whoever you conceive with. But you knew... Now, if the mama ain't tell you she had a child, okay, that's a different story. <laughs> but we focusing on the people who knew they had kids bringing brought out into this world. Mm-hmm. So, um, definitely want to say to anybody who might be expecting, to anybody who is a father, uh, take time to get to know your child, invest in your child in a somewhat regulated basis. You might not be able, I don't know everybody's situation, you might not be able to come around every day. You might not be able to physically raise your child and have them in the home environment with you. But do something. Don't just sit back and watch the years pass you by. Because once your child gets to a certain point, it's very hard to come back. And to that extent, it's no more. You missed the, you missed the window opportunity to be a parent. And at this point, you're just at best a mentor. And I use at best with like emphasis. Because once you... Think about it from somebody who hasn't had their father in their life. Once you hit like 16, 17, 18, and you got what your mama brought you up with, um, the mores you kind of created on your own and all that, and your daddy come back into your life, like, I mean, he can teach you a couple things here and there. Your mom might not know how to change the tire. He can teach you that. But like, upbringing-wise, that's it. Your chance is really gone. Right. So, I mean, you can grow the relationship and all that. And that's not to say that the relationship can't be formed um, for the rest of the lifestyle because it can, but that childhood experience versus the adult experience, it's just not the same. And it's very um, impactful and detrimental simultaneously because I can remember times where I think in elementary school, we used to do like father-son donuts. or No, donuts with dad. That's what it's called. And yeah, girl, my little school, they was like real cute. They donuts to dad. They used to oh, like muffins with mom. They used to make me emotional. They used to donuts to dad, muffins with mom. It was like real. It was real inclusive. Mm-hmm. So that way, um, it wasn't like conforming. So anyway, back to the point. So like, we would do donuts with dad, and either I wouldn't go, or my goddad came one year, or he came to something. Um, and I think somebody else, like that's a man in my family, came. So I was just looking around and be like, everybody else brought their dad. That's cool, like good for them. And I was never, I don't personally, my mom might say otherwise. I don't think I was too much jealous or spiteful that other people had their dads around. I think I was just more hurt hurt that like my dad wasn't there for me. So I didn't, I try not to take my feelings out on other people because that's nothing, nobody else can help. So definitely things of that nature and um, like I said, I appreciate those who helped bring me up because although I didn't have him, I had somebody, but I can't say at certain points in my life, I wish I would have had him. So for all you fathers out there who might be listening, just make an effort. Whew. That, that was, was heavy. Good. Well, that was yeah. good. That was good. But you know, shaking the table all 2020. And it's not to bring nobody down. If you're hearing this, this might be the wake-up call you needed for you to do better. Yes, sir. Love it. 
You just made it rain on, on the girls. Yeah, he did. On he the did. men. You made it rain on the men. Storm advisory, back again. Back to back, made that expect him. But anyway. What? Keep it locked with Storm advisory all 2020. Um, Come with all the controversial topics. Some specifically targeted for like community, just helping us build and focus on where we came, how far we've been, and how we can go forward from here. <laughs> so um, let's chit chat with Britt Brett. Let's get let's into it. Well, gangs, today we're talking about um, someone had the question of how do you feel about soul ties now? Uh, Daisha mostly introduced me into uh, Soul Ties. We watched this video about, well, starting over. A soul Tie, to me personally, is basically when you have a connection with another person. Or it can be a thing. Or a thing. In, in this case, I'm going to talk about person. Mm-hmm. That I would say, like, it's not a physical connection, but it's like y'all are now tied together. Like, you are that that person's energy is now in you and it could be vice versa. So I think a soul tie is one of those things like, you know, fire is hot, but you're not going to stick your hand in it. So it's like, I know it's hot, but I don't know it's hot. People tell me it's hot, but I never touched fire before. So it's not until I, I touched the fire. Like I, not until I actually got a soul tie where I was like, dang, soul ties are really real. Like, it's like, if you, and you can have them, get them from relations, having relations with people, that means sex. <laughs> 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 or you can just get them just from, in other ways, of just being around them to a lot, or just having some type of relationship with that person, you can develop a soul tie. As far as like how you feel after you develop that soul tie, it's like, for me, I can only talk about myself. It's like you have an itching for that, like you you wanna talk to that person, you wanna, oh, what they doing? Like you now all of a sudden have this somewhat, I don't wanna say it's not an obsession, but you're craving that person more than what, what you used to, if that makes sense, so. If I think I, I'm gonna, I think I have a soul tie with one person, and it's like before this person could do whatever they wanted to do, and I don't care. But now it's like, oh, you're not gonna text me back. Like, why? Why am I all of a sudden caring a little bit more? Like too much, have too much energy in this person, and I believe because it's a soul tie that makes sense. So that's how I feel about them. I think that. I don't think you should develop too many soul ties because that can now harm yourself. If I'm spending so much of my energy on one person, I'm now forgetting about me. And you can have, even if you have a strong soul tie, like that still can happen. I'm now focusing a bit too much and now it's becoming unhealthy. And to the point where even if I do try to develop a healthy relationship with another person, that soul tie is still keeping me attached to the other person. So I can't put all my energy into, well, shared energy into a healthy relationship if it's still wasted on someone that I'm no longer with, but I'm still connected with. So that's how I feel about soul ties. Do you guys have any uh, 
comments about it? Um, soul ties are definitely real. Definitely yeah. real. Soul ties make it hard to move forward if you don't sever them as soon as possible. So just simply getting over a person, even if you're not trying to be in a relationship with anybody else, soul ties definitely hold you back from fully getting over the person because mm-hmm. now here you are worried on them every time you go on Instagram, you go on their page and watch their story just to see what they're doing because you can't shake that person. So I think severing soul ties are can, is definitely necessary for just moving on and having, you know, having a healthy future for yourself, especially now. I mean, you see a lot of people going from person to person and they just racking up those soul ties. And I don't think a lot of people think about it too much because a lot of people don't talk about it, but it can have negative effects on you mentally and physically. I think it definitely can have a lot of physical, um, physical effects on your, on yourself. So I think severing soul ties is definitely important, but I think there's healthy soul ties too. Yeah. Like in marriages or in healthy relationships, like, yeah, you're a soul tie, you're attached to that person, but y'all are building with each other and it's not like you're pouring so much into them. It's, it's equal, you know? So I think there's definitely such thing as a healthy soul ties, but a lot, there's, I mean, I'm the type of person where like, I don't like a lot of people who I don't know in my space. So when it comes to like people I'm talking to or people I'm dating, I never had anyone in my apartment or in my space or my room is that one person because I feel like people carry a lot of stuff mentally and spiritually carry a lot of stuff and then next thing you know you got I'm in my room I can't sleep at night because you don't left something in my room you know what I'm saying mm. something that you're carrying you don't left something you just brought something in here and now now here I am having bad dreams I can't sleep I just feel weird being in my own space so I I'm just I think it's real. In conclusion, soul ties are real. <laughs> so, um, in a concise message, I think soul ties is a seeing it as a believing type of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how you might hear something that you're like, oh, yeah, I was for real once you saw it. So, I believe in them, but I haven't really experienced it for myself. Like, I think I'm somebody else's soul tie, but they're not mine. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> that's a whole nother issue. That's, that's, that's a whole nother issue. Or maybe, I, maybe it was mutual, but I severed it. Okay, regardless. Um, yeah, I think it's definitely very much uh, real. I just haven't experienced it for myself, so I can't shed too much insight on it. But um, I agree with points made about letting too many people inside your space and crowding all that. And, um, after a while, it does start to affect you because, like Brittany said, once you start carrying so much baggage, only to, like, let go, it's a little murky. Yeah. I think, not to say there's nothing wrong with if someone wants to, you know, sleep around or have people in their space. There's nothing wrong with that. I would just say be careful of 
the energy that you keep around. Be careful of the like, if you develop a soul tie. And I would just dare anyone to just think about it. Like, just take a moment, think about the person that you might have a soul tie with. Just start thinking. Before, you may have never even cared what this person is doing, what they look like. But now, yeah, who they're with. But then, you know, things might have happened and now you're like, why am I, why am I, why do I care? Why am I so invested in this situation or this person when I know it's no good for me? And you might be perfectly, um, like you understand that this is not right, but you might continue to do so or talk to this person or whatever because you have a connection and you haven't gotten rid of it or recognize that you have it. At least recognize that you have it. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think are some ways people can like sever soul ties? Well, on the spiritual, like religious note. Mm, not taking them to church. Nah, I think you should pray. I think that would probably be the strongest way of like, oh, tell me that scared me. Okay. Pray. Praying away, just like asking God to remove anything that is not of him and that's good away. I think if you're not on that road, I think recognizing it and just trying to distance yourself from that person, trying to just, I guess, you kind of, I don't want to say force your way, force yourself like out of their life or you they for, you know what I'm saying? Like, remove, some things. remove them from your life yeah, so you as much as possible. And delete some delete messages, delete pictures, delete the thread, delete the, the number, block the number, and stop remembering numbers, and just try to remove Unfollow them completely. Unfollow, media. block, block. Just use the block button heavy. Mm hmm. I think that would be a good way. And even if I would do that with praying, with finding other things that interest you, finding other people that are healthy, not building another soul tie, but, you know, building healthy relationships with other people, seeing that there's other things out there, doing things for yourself, because it could really be, it's, self-care is something we don't think about, and that could really damage your self-care. Think about if we're in school, right? We're in school. I work. Some, most people work. You're in organizations doing stuff for them. You have all this stuff on your plate, and you can't even focus on that because you're focused on if Robert is going to text me back or why is Robert hanging out with this other person or do you think me and Robert are going to be together? You think me and Robert will ever have a chance? Like that shouldn't matter. Not that shouldn't matter if you know that it never is not going to work. But now you're focused on it for no reason. Especially if <clears throat> they got a uh, uh, they don't have no soul tie with you, and you out here thinking Chop about them, and they living their best life. That hurts. That hurts. And you could, the relationship could be so toxic, but something is not pulling you away. What do you, like, what do you think that is? Hmm. I dare anybody to think about it. Just for a second. And yeah, that's my chit chat. All I got to talk about. I love <laughs> it.
That was love good. That, that was love good. that. You showed out. You yeah, showed yeah, out. Yeah. That, that y'all showed out today. Yeah. Okay. Episode two. I see. I see. So. Let's get into it. Yes. Today, we're gonna talk about in honor of school starting for at least us. Um, what is it like being black or of color or a minority? Non-white. Non-white yes. at a PWI. PWI is predominantly white institution. So we first have to say, like we have to establish, is there a difference or is there a significant uh, type of feeling or interactions or whatever being black at a PWI? Well, personally, my experience, I haven't seen that big of a difference when it comes to being black at a PWI because I feel like we all come together as one. And we... Um, Who's we all? Like, black people. Oh, okay. We all come together as one, and we, I feel like we hold... Like, I feel like because we're so, everyone's so close, the black people are so close when it comes to, like, doing events... Like when it comes to the homecoming, we all kind of clump together. You don't really notice it because we're always all together. You know what I'm saying? So when you look at it, when you take a, the only time I look, I realize like how different it is is when I take a step back and really, and I look around like the classroom, and there's only like three black people in my class. Like in the mass comm department, out of maybe like 15 people, it's like two or three of us, and that's when you really realize like that you are in the minor. Um, the minority of the campus, but I looked on the website, on Winter's website, and um, I saw some, like, numbers, so Winthrop is 60.1% um, white, 29.35% black, 4.88% Hispanic, 1.41% Asian, and 0.31% Indian. What do y'all think about those numbers? 29% black? Mm-hmm. 29.35. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think our black population has gone down. Because at one point, I really remember our black percentage being at least 30, if not 31. So that, oh. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure that number went down. Wow. But honestly, if you, in my opinion, if you really take a step back and look at Winthrop, I can really believe those numbers. Like, yeah. those do not seem fabricated by any stretch of the imagination. Um, just being on campus at any given point, it definitely looks like that. Um, you will see plenty of us, us as in black people. And honestly, the other marginalized um, populations, such as Asian or Indian, they are not well represented on campus. And... I don't know if, like, I just don't see them or they just really not enrolled that went through. But the numbers sound fairly accurate. What do you think? I, I agree. Like, you don't realize it until you take a step back because outside of the classroom, uh, we kind of, and this, once again, it's just for me, is you clump yourself with people who look like you. So the events, you know, most of the time, we look around, it's black people there. 
or in digs. I promise you, it seems like after five o'clock, the the center is just filled with. It's like you'd rarely see anyone else there, or on campus. Period. To me, because it's taken over. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if anybody else can relate to this, but or if I'm just tripping, but it just seems like you don't see the other we don't get I don't think we get invited to as many things sometimes or like there will be certain um groups standing out there who are predominantly white organizations and they will like they won't hand you flyers or something or ask you to stop or ask you to stop certain things like the next person behind me the next white person behind me they're stopping them asking them like when they do the little bike thing the bike you don't want my quarters my dimes stuff like that yeah yeah and they're out there all day i've never gotten asked i don't know if that is because we've already established this um I think we kind of segregated ourselves by choice mm-hmm. in certain ways. I'm not saying like some ways diversity is great. Basketball games. Oh, I love to see. It's pretty cool to me. But like in other ways, I think we choose to hang around the people that look like us. And that that's not Winthrop's fault. That's just. I think um, to a certain extent, this is Winthrop, very Winthrop specific. To a certain extent, we had to look at where we started. A, we started as an all-women's school. Mm-hmm. B, um, sure, in 1886, when the women came, they were all white. I don't think... I think our first black woman came in... She was the third... Mm, maybe not the 30s. The 50s? When did she come? Sometime in the early 1900s. That's the point. So She's um, still alive. She's still alive. Yeah, she's still, still alive. alive. So, recent. Yeah, like, she's been recent enough. Before. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because um, Roddy's name. Roddy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, for Winter specifically, we kind of look at we have to look at where we came from, and um, but speaking to like a generalized black experience at a PWI, I would say it is what you make of it. But at the same time. There was a culture created before I got to Winter mm-hmm. that. I became accustomed to once I became enrolled. So, um, yeah, like a lot of the black people I went to do hang out together. And like you said, birds of a feather flock together. And of course, you're more comfortable with people who look like you, may think like you, um, maybe from the same background, same city, et cetera, et cetera. So, but at the same time, I think we can be ostracized. Um, or seen as like too different for comfort. Whereas, so y'all talked about how on scholars, they'll be doing like the bikerathons and um, people have an approach y'all, but they'll approach like literally the person behind you. Some of that, this isn't about the bikerathon specifically, but I think some of that just goes to like the culture that's already there. So mm-hmm. for example, um, if a CPC org is like tabling for recruitment, of course they're not gonna talk to us. Like, yeah, they um they are non discriminatory for the for the exception of the basis of gender because it's a women's fraternity. Yeah. So but I try to put myself in like other people's shoes too, because honestly, if I was a white woman and went through for C B C 
would I really talk to somebody's like daughter and try to get in the joint about work? Probably not. Yeah, if you be a real like, like if you be a real real. If that like, was you, probably, would you yeah. really say, "Hey, Brittany, do you want to come join? Do you want to have um? Do you want to be a part of fire recruitment? No, spring recruitment with us." And honestly, if they asked you, you being the black person, you'd probably look at them like, "Girl, you and I both know better." Why are you wasting your time? So it goes beyond your own point of view, but that's a very Greek life specific example. I think, yeah, speaking on that, I think it also has to do with maybe the way you look. Like, oh, she got box braids in and these big hoop earrings. I don't think she will fit into what our organization's culture is. So, yeah. I think that's where that kind of comes in as well. Or maybe the way you look, you looking rude or look, you look quote unquote mean, so you're not going to stop. So I think that's where the, that is definitely a culture difference between like the black community and the white community on campus. Like even homecoming, we got a whole nother thing for homecoming. They, they send out like the regular events. And then we it was a it was a whole nother itinerary. No like, one even everyone disregarded what Winter was doing because we all know we gonna do what we want to do. Exactly. So was, that's that's cute. But uh, here's the plan. Here's the real plan. So it's definitely a culture like difference. Um, how do y'all feel about? I saw I looked online and I saw like some arguments when it comes to like HBCUs versus PWIs. Uh oh. And. They said that a lot of um, PWIs believe that their education is superior to HBCUs because we have an increased workload. Um, another thing I saw was black students who attend PWIs are getting the black experience. Um, black pe- students who attend PWIs, PWIs don't get a true black experience. How do you feel? What's the first one? Let's start on that first one. So the first one was PWI attendees believe their education is superior to HBCU attendees because of the perceived increased workload and level of rigor in comparison to black schools. So I'm going to take on this one first. Um, For those of y'all who might follow me on Instagram, y'all might see me quite frequently post um, my best friends, Blondie, Arlisha, and Erica. So all of them actually go to HBCUs. I'm literally the only one in the friend group who does not attend HBCUs and I disagree with that statement on the basis that, A, as long as you're accredited and as long as you make it across the stage, girl. The degree is a degree. The degree is a degree. Secondly, um, (laughs) what I think it said, like, HBCUs are easier or what was We have an increased workload. We have an increased workload. Um, Definitely disagree because I first can't see their workload. And my first year, they all had higher GPAs. So I know, like, from experience that they work for this. And I think that's an invalid statement, and it kind of stems from just the whole debate as a whole and people trying to justify, like, why they did or didn't choose which way or why they or why a prospective student should or shouldn't choose which way to go. I think it goes to, like, the black aesthetic, you know? Like, before, when you think about it, people try to label black as bad, white as good, pure well, pure and non-pure. So anything that stems from that white aesthetic seems better. Superior. Yeah. So we have to just think from a mindset of we're just we're black students getting a degree in, in general. I don't care where you get it from. 
we have our papers. Like we're we're certified now. So and I don't I've never been to an HBCU. I've never attended one, so I don't know what their workload is. I think that part, like I said, comes from a mindset that it's has white in it, therefore it's better. Mm-hmm. Which not true. Mm-hmm. The second one was um, PWI students don't get the black experience, and they said we're sellouts. Sellout. Okay, no, yeah, <laughs> I don't. I'm not here for the whole sellout thing. Mm-hmm. On the basis of when we all applied, this let's say this hypothetically, senior year of high school, we all knew where we were sending an application to when we sent that money in and filled it out and mm-hmm. wrote the potential essay, what have you. So. No, that does not make me a sellout for not wanting to go to the HBCU. Uh, I applied to HBCU. This is me specifically. I applied to HBCU. I did for Yeah. I applied to HBCUs. I just didn't go. I found the school that was best for me and what I wanted to do and where I saw myself going in life in the direction I was heading. So why am I selling out? Why? You think I'm selling out myself? You think I just did this like out of malicious intent? Yeah, girl, I just, no. Now. But that's not to say there are black people out there who will be like, no, I just can't go to HBC. I've heard that so now, many times. I can see why there can be that misconception. But regardless, I just don't think you're selling out because it's an education at the end of the day. Right. I'm here for the degree. It was you think school you, that best fit. Do you think you get the black experience at Winfield? Like the sort of black experience at Winfield? Because they say they believe. HBCUs are more culturally or um, culturally relevant. I mean, yeah, like that's historical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just can't take that from you. So no, um, I don't get like an HBCU black experience that went through because we're not, we're a, not HBCU. a HBCU. So, but as far as a black experience, I'm gonna always get a black experience because I'm, I'm black. black. Right. I can't never like I can't ever not be black. But it's like culture wise, yes, we we make our like. We don't make our own like black experience, but you know we do things that are absolutely relevant in in times, or we have events that focuses or on the black culture. You know what I'm saying? It's not like we just forget all of it. It don't matter. We go to this school now. Yeah, we're like, definitely not disregarded on campus right. at, all. at all. And I, I, yeah, I think as long as we are surrounded by black people, which most of the time most of us are we will have a black experience. And on the sellout, I am a strong believer in Uncle Tom's. I think they exist. They're, and I've never, I've never categorized myself as a sellout because of the school I went to. Right. First of all, I went to Winthrop because I was a nutrition major, and it was the only one that was accredited in the state. And my okay. mama said I wasn't going out of state because she ain't paying that money. <laughs> so I had to go to Winthrop. Got here, and I enjoyed myself. I love it. So I stayed. Jeesh. Like, I'm, I've never heard, like, that I'm a sellout for, well, people are a sellout for attending PWIs. Girl, I feel like it's been. I feel like it's been the whole sellout Hi. thing. I feel like the whole sellout thing has been thrown around a couple of times when you see like those arguments on Twitter. It's definitely thrown around. What? That's a, that's a tired. That's a tired one. Yeah, I that's hope we left that in the last decade. Yeah, <laughs> it's twenty twenty, baby. You got to move on from that hurt. Move you across the stage. Okay. Right. I think that you have to be supportive in general. That argument. Obviously, there's a difference. We've established that, but we should still support one another because 
You should support anyone who wins. Mm, mm. It's ma'am. Anybody winning. Okay. Because we know as um, studies show, our people won't graduate. But if we do, it's very late. And late um, in the sense that, like, you know, when they look at graduation statistics, it's actually for six years instead of four. And, like, we'll still miss that six-year mark. And our race just different. But, um, yeah, but I think that there's some... When they're just, I think about my friend group and like they just produce such good, wholesome, like black people. You know what I'm saying? Not Winthrop produced it, but <laughs> yeah, that, that graduated. graduated. No, but like I just have so many black people who are just excelling, like who are doing great, who have businesses, who are young who are just thriving, who are graduating early, who are graduating on time. Like, graduating they're doing- period. Graduating period, who are doing great things, studying abroad and in, well, where I'm from, like, you don't really, in my experience, I didn't really see that a lot. So now to look around and see all these, like, melanated people doing great things, it's, it's nice. Regardless it's nice. of where you go. Mm. Right, because you can turn on the on the news and see all of these negative things about this person did this person, this ro- person robbed a bank, this person did this thing, but you, they don't ever show all of these black organizations um, doing community service or these black people. They don't show their graduation pictures on the on the they news. They show that mugshot. They they show that mugshot. Or a picture of them holding a gun. Right. So I'm. I'm, and I think that that's in any school you can see that. So, see, beyond the um, profiling, showcasing black people on the news, I don't fuck with the news, period. Because, yeah. honestly, the news, okay, first reason. What y'all think people did before the news? They went on about their lives. If something happened across the world, you just ain't know. (laughs) Right. You might have heard through the great line. Before World Three start, we just go. They go, oh snap! The people done hit. (laughs) You you done got the draft letter. Oh man! I ain't even know he did that. Before the news was a thing, it was just (laughs) right. If you knew, you knew. You did. You did. So, secondly, sometimes the news has a way of showcasing. Such the negative, like y'all said, and then really highlight the positive. So I honestly try to abstain from watching the news. If it's um, it's draining. It is, and if you realize how much you cut out, you also realize how much you're missing out. So for this month, um, I'm actually taking a social media break till February first, and like you really start to focus on yourself, focus on the people around you, like immediately around you, not the people in Goose Creek who might have got their Walmart broken into hypothetically. It's like all that extra is in your like yeah, shout out to the Charleston people, eight four three. Okay. Um, <laughs> but once you cut all that, you really can get back in tune with yourself, start focusing. So people just sometimes get so caught up in what's going on around them. Like focus on yourself. It's just the news is so deep. like I'm really I wear my heart on a sleeve on my sleeve. So that's kinda of a bad thing. So when I watch anything like that, I get so sad. Like, I used to be afraid I feel, to watch the news when I was younger. Yeah, there's always so bad helpless. stuff on it. Exactly. I'm like, oh my God, always someone's going to bust stuff. into my house always and kill all of us. Always something bad. Right. And, and, and I'm a social work major, so we see all these 
look, do the numbers a lot, and we see who's the highest when it comes down to poverty and stuff like that. So the highest percentage of people in poverty are white people. But what do you think it is? The cousins. Exactly. First of all, that don't make sense. If we're a minority, they have more people. Oh. Therefore, I think you're lying. white people have more. There's more white people in the world. Therefore, they're the highest percentage when it comes down to poverty. So, but when you look at it and you see media in general, you just think like, a minority is the top people in poverty, or minorities are the ones who are more on welfare, and then it just puts a negative stigma all around the board. So I feel like you often have to, as African-Americans, fight against something. Always. You, know, you always have to fight against that statistic. Also, for anybody who might be listening, um, when I say the cousins, I just refer to black people. Because, <laughs> you know, it's a play on the stereotype. Like, yeah, girl, that's my cousin. That's like, my cousin. Y'all ain't even related. But okay. That's what they should do. They should think she related to everybody in Charleston. Like, yeah, girl, we cousins. But they, yeah, that's my cousin. Hey. But y'all, first of all, that's your cousin, 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 cousin. <laughs> y'all be other cousins. Y'all 15th cousins. We're still cousins. At this point. <laughs> We're still cousins. Hey. I'm like, oh, y'all got the same grandma? No. Because <laughs> don't your mama got, like, like what? Two brothers? Two brothers. So how you got all these cousins? Um, my grandma has about seven siblings. Anyway. Speaking of the girl. Yeah, honey. That so it's a lot of us keep, out here. I'm sorry. Keep up. My grandma got like fifteen and my daddy got seven siblings. So yeah, my daddy get it together. Got three Catch brothers. up, Mr. <laughs> that was a good one. That was good. Um, sorry. But yeah. What was the third point? I believe it was the the more valuable, the, the, which um, the argument kind of stems from which experience is more valuable and cultural culturally relevant. Oh, um, my ex- your experience is your experience. You gotta make the best out of it. You I mean. can't judge someone else's experience, and that's just on anything about. HBCU PWI or being gay and being straight like you can't there's no with whatever categories you have there's no playbook to like step by step rules of what you should go through in those situations right so, so who are you to that's judge not even an argument experience? next the experience honestly <laughs> thank you Anyway, the experience is, is what you make of it. So, regardless of if you go to the HBC or PWI, if you sit in your room all day, you missing out regardless. <laughs> so, I mean, you got the degree, but like, matter. what did you do? What did you do? What Going to class. Okay, everybody go to class. <laughs> I mean, that's how you get the degree. You go to class. Let's be real. So, it is what you make of it no matter where you go, who you with, what you see. The world is yours. This is your campus. You just got to paint on it. Bloop. I would say... Try to be diverse. If you are a black person who goes to a PWI, try to be diverse. But there's more to diversity than just black and white or Asian and and Hispanic. There's so much more. So you have to just, I don't know, just click with who you click with. Don't look at their color. Don't look at their major. Don't look at any of that. Just your experience is your experience. Go out there and paint the town. So... <laughs> you saw that reference? That was a Hoko reference. 
But honestly, when we talk about diversity, people forget about intersectionality. And they'd be like, diversity. They'd be like, okay, so for this picture, we need this people, this people, this people. Okay. I mean, that's visual diversity, but diversity is way beyond skin deep. Way. And some people have the privilege of not even knowing what intersectionality is. (laughs) (laughs) So if you had to do it all over again, you're a senior in high school. And you had to choose between going to an HBCU and a PWI, knowing what you know now, which one are you going to? <laughs> so, looking at um, this again, represent London, Arlisha, and Erica. Looking at their experiences, I often, I'm like, what if I went to HBCU? So, I definitely thought about it before. But knowing what I know now, this is like me specifically talking about Winthrop. I still pick Winthrop um, only because I made it this far. And honestly, when I was a sophomore, when I took my first tour of Winthrop, I didn't think I was going to be all this that I am now. So I very much still pick Winthrop because of the opportunities it's provided me with. However, I can say, knowing what I know now, I would have applied to more HBCUs. For me, I'd still choose Winthrop. I thought I went into Winthrop and thought, I'm just going to transfer someplace else because I just felt you like. You did say that. Mm-hmm. You did. And I never, and I'm still here. Girl and I enjoyed it. Transfer. <laughs> 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 right. No, originally. Most people go to tech first and then. No, but listen. Took a semester to pass before they say I'm ready no, no, to no, go. No, 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 listen. Because I originally. $20,000 and then transfer. I originally <laughs> wanted to go to uh, Johnson C. Smith, but they. But I originally wanted to go to John C. Smith, but they sent my... It was between John C. Smith, Hampton University. Oh, you just baddie. And Winthrop. I canceled... Hampton was the first school I got accepted to, and I didn't want to go there. I got scared. Because it's in Virginia. hmm I have separation anxiety from my mother <laughs> since I was a child. I used to go to people's house. Grow up. <laughs> Hold on, don't do her. Don't she play trying. With me. No ma'am. She trying. <laughs> no ma'am. You grew up. First of all, I used to go to people's house, like spending the night and stuff, and then I'm I start crying because I want to go home to my mom. Oh, we so, love that. Yeah, we don't. What, yeah, whatever. You hate it. <laughs> yeah, she hate bad, eh? Sorry. <laughs> so go me going that far my first time like as a freshman, me going that far terrified me so i was like hampton's out can't do it sorry i was like john c smith is between john c smith and went through john c smith sent my acceptance last minute like i had already paid for went through so i was like i'm going to went through but i thought i thought about it and i talked about it with my parents i was like you know if i just don't like went through i can always transfer and i never transfer i'm still here and i enjoy it i love went through I love it. I like the people I met, you know, the things I got involved in. I have definitely enjoyed my experience. Love the woo. I don't know. First of all, okay, I do love winter. A lot. And I don't know, it makes you work hard. They really, really freaking make you work for your degree. Mm -hmm. Like for your grades, you get what you deserve. It is a lot of late nights, 
I think it pushed me. And like you said, I don't think that I would be like me right now. However, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really big right now on the whole black aesthetic thing. And I like how these HBCUs are producing all of these great black humans. So I really would like to, that would be cool to be a part of that. Darn. Um, but I wouldn't have met all of the people I know now, and I'm really attached to them. So, I always wonder how different I would be if I went to a different school. Right. Would I still have these connections? Would I still be... Um, so we're going to say, I don't know. That's my answer. I have no answer. I'm a punk. <laughs> I don't know. Girl. That's a good question, though. That is a really good question. Makes you think. Yeah. So I think. Yeah. yeah. Wait, that's not the words. Yeah, it was a remix. Pay attention. Are we gonna finish? Okay, what's the what's the next part? I'll just be the background. Go ahead. Chasing, Chasing all sing, the sunsets. Okay. Oh. <laughs> so I chase. Yeah. Just chasing, chasing all, all the sunsets. sunsets. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Yes, yes. That was cute. That was cute. This was a great, great talk. Was great it discussion? Did, did we, we chase, chase it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> did we chase the sunset? I think so. I think so. Sunset has been chased. This was a very heavy uh, episode, I think. And now I need to go cry. So. Take it. What the church people say? Take your time, baby. That's all right. That's Shirley, son. <laughs> yeah, that's Shirley, son. But I don't know why she got him up there. She, you know, he need to take him to get a haircut. <laughs> why she said that boy up there with no brush in her head? Right. <laughs> he ain't been to uh, choir practice in about three weeks. Gonna go up there. He up there singing water bell. He don't know the words. Mm-hmm. Pastor didn't make a rule about that. They didn't get up there with a bit of choir practice. Children's church need to tighten up. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something real quick. I went back home over break. I wore pants, you know, pants, uh, plaid pants at that. But I had a black shirt on. I did not want to sing in the choir. That's why I wore plaid pants. And I'll tell you, I ain't been to choir rehearsal in about a year because I ain't been there. So I'm thinking I'm good because the last Easter they made me say an Easter speech because I had red on. Now, I'm, I'm 20 years old up there with these churn. But anyways, I come into church. I sit down nice and cozy. They turn around and see me. Come on up here. <laughs> I try to act like I know what they're saying. Come on up here. Come on. Like, Man, I'm up there on the choir. In plaid pants. In plaid pants. They had me just standing in the back. What was they everybody said, else sing. wearing? Huh? What was everybody else wearing? Black dresses. So, Because I had a black shirt on. They said, come on up here on this choir. Come on, baby. And my mama. She a usher now. Hey, get up there. You see them up there. Stop showing up for these church people. Yeah, you, see the you ain't too big. I'll knock you down. Yeah. I hope we'll help. So, anyways, sunset chase. Yeah, sunset chase. <laughs> in conclusion. In conclusion. The sunset has been chased. Don't forget to provide a food can drive. Give me your cans. Yes. All right. And. Chase sunset on three. Chase sunset on three. One, One, two, two three. three. Chase sunsets. Sunset. What? Why oh, are you so fast? I thought you said chase sunsets. Wow. So anyway, viewers, <laughs> we appreciate your time, dedication, and excellence to our great podcast. Um, 
Looking forward to finding you all with more content soon. Hope you all have a great week. Thank you for choosing to start off your week with us. We look forward to reading your reviews and your ratings. And we'll see you all next week. See you Bye. next week.